Hi, my name is Mark Fontaine and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Service Design Show. I'm really excited to bring another podcast exclusive episode just for you. Now let me start with an important question. How do you know that you're on the right track? How do you know that the work you're doing as a service design professional is making a positive impact on the customer experience? In other words, that you're actually improving a service. How to effectively measure the impact of our work has been a question without many satisfying answers ever since I got into service design. At best, we are presented with either very high level metrics like MPS or very low level metrics on touchpoint level like waiting times. Often we feel that the things that are measured aren't necessarily measured because they are the right indicators of success, but because they are easy to express in numbers. And the metrics that we do have are often qualitative, which unfortunately still doesn't sit well with most business stakeholders. So how do you measure the experience of a service that spans across multiple channels, teams and departments? And when you figured out how to track that, the next question becomes who is responsible for the performance of that end-to-end -end experience? All great and really important questions that we decided to explore deeper in our recent Circle Community session. In this episode, you'll hear Tim Decker, who facilitated this session, share the most valuable takeaways from the conversations we had. Tim was a prime candidate to host the session as he is currently going through the process of putting customer and journey oriented metrics in place at his company. So he was able to share some first-hand examples and talk about the struggles that he's facing. If you haven't yet heard about The Circle, I'll quickly fill you in. The Circle is a community for in-house service design professionals that is focused on sharing best practices with each other and making meaningful connections with like-minded peers. A key reason why people tend to join the circle is that when you're inside an organization, you're often one of the few, if not the only person who truly gets service design. And when that's the case, where do you go when you want to deepen your craft? Or when you want to bounce off some ideas? Or maybe when you just want to vent about how things are done? Well, that's exactly where the circle is for. Every month we host a session about relevant topics brought forward by a member from the community. Now, if you'd like to actively participate in these sessions rather than just listening to the summary on this podcast, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle and see if you'd qualify to become a member of this community. So that's servicedesignshow.com slash circle and you'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. That about wraps it up for the introduction. The only thing left for me to say is let the show begin. Welcome back to the show, Tim. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're one of the few lucky people to uh, reappear on the Service Design Show. I didn't check which uh, episode it was uh, exactly, but uh, I think at the uh, start of the year, you also appeared in a circle so. conversation, together with right? Taylor. Yeah, together with Taylor. Yeah. Was it the first? Was it in January? I don't recall. S somewhere beginning, yeah, yeah. It was still uh, yeah. cold. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was still cold. And now... We're, uh, we're both in the Netherlands and uh, uh, suffering a mild heat wave, uh, which, uh, which is good, uh, or can be enjoyable. 
Um, Tim, we're going to discuss a different topic than we did in January, a super interesting topic. I think a topic a lot of people will be interested in. Uh, we'll be diving into measuring services. We'll be talking about metrics, and numbers, quantifying stuff, all the sexy stuff around <laughs> service design. Um, a lot to share about that. It was a really interesting uh, circle uh, session where uh, yeah, people had opinions and a lot of questions mainly. Uh, you proposed this topic to uh, be addressed in our community. And let's start with that because I'm really curious. How did you arrive at this topic? Why did you feel that this was something worth discussing? Uh, well, I mean, I've been handling it with uh, a couple companies now. Just how to how do you measure the customer experience aside from what we also covered in the in a session, then uh, the business metrics, the financial ones. So how do you really find some meaningful metrics that, that mean something for the customer that kind of result into that, you know, the impact of your work and um, what change that does with the, with the customers. And uh, how, how was this relevant to you? Was this a relevant topic uh, to you when you proposed it? To me? Yeah. I'm, I'm still actively working on, uh, on basically quantifying our customer journey at Kiwi. Um, and set up some conversion funnels first. And I mean, the metrics are, are tricky, right? It's more like a high level thing that you're working on, um, which is, I think is important because everyone has that goal in mind. So it affects basically all the projects that are happening. Mm. Now you reminded me and uh, I just shared prior to our recording that this is my first recording after a summer break. And here's one thing I already forgot and sort of assumed that people knew who you are. And maybe you have listened to the first episode, but uh, let's do a proper introduction, uh, Tim, for somebody, uh, who sure. doesn't know who you are. You mentioned Kiwi. Um, what is Kiwi? What kind of company is it? And what is your role there? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm now a service designer at Kiwi. Um, one of the two that are there and we recently got Julieta joining us. So Kiwi is a scale up in the travel sector. And basically what we do, we use technology to connect, uh, multiple modes of transport and multiple providers under one ticket to kind of get you from, from A to Z. Um, with, you know, different types of travel hacks. Okay. So, yeah. You know. And you're one of the two service designers. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of, um, discussions, debates, topics around, um, quantifying, measuring the customer experience or how to use metrics and service design. It always mm -hmm. feels like we tend to get stuck pretty quickly in this, uh, topic. Um, but before we uh, sort of look into how to get unstuck, I'm really curious from your perspective, like, why should we even do this? Like, what is, what do we have to gain if we manage to crack this uh, puzzle? What we have to gain? I think uh, the biggest one is that you actually know what benefits you're bringing to the customers, right? Instead of just producing stuff that may or may not work. Um, what I also think is if, if you don't do it, uh, you might end up uh, creating the wrong things, right? So you can have the right metric and work towards the metric, but if it's the wrong goal that you're handling efficiently, then you're only going, you know, worse and worse. Yeah, you're going really fast in the wrong direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So, um, th and that's, that's the interesting thing. Um, I don't know a lot of companies that have really proper metrics around services around customer experience and still there are a lot of businesses in business they are sort of uh, semi-successful or pretty successful 
Um, what is your take on that? Because without these metrics, some companies manage to still yeah, yeah work pretty fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, well, also in the session, we noticed that there, there's no, I think, single person who mentioned that that they were kind of satisfied with the situation or they felt it was perfect, how they were measuring their um, their part. And indeed, like you said, there's a lot of business that still survive uh, or maybe even thrive without having these metrics in place. Uh, from my opinion, I think that can be pure luck. Uh, at the end of the day, people also still buy uh, services or products that work even though they might be shitty but mm -hmm. it completes the job that they need to get done right so i think that they probably fall in that that category yeah and uh, i guess this this relates to if you as a, a organization have the ambition to be more customer centric then it's it makes sense to have some metrics that indicate if you're making progress towards that goal like if customer experience or customer centricity isn't on your radar and the only thing on your radar is making profit or cutting costs mm -hmm. like then you're probably going to measure those things uh, but this is mostly for the companies who do have that ambition to become more customer centric definitely i think it's also having the um, right because the business people they, they tend to go to financial metrics because they have the access to it they know it and i think because our field is, is quite new there maybe is less access to these kind of metrics or people don't know what, what kind of metric there should be. Um, yeah. yeah. And now uh, we'll get into some of the uh, ideas on how to bring in uh, more customer-centric metrics uh, that we learned in the circle in a, in a second. Mm -hmm. But what I always find interesting, and I'm uh, interested in how you see this, is that it seems to be that service design is sort of stuck in the middle where we have metrics um, touch point level uh, and the obvious thing is especially if you're working on a digital service you have all kinds of things that you can measure uh, and we have metrics very high level like i don't know um revenue or profit or uh, uh, yeah. uh cost uh, growth rate growth yeah. rate like the super high level metrics and we have super detailed level uh, uh super detailed metrics and it seems that service design uh is is stuck in between where services cross across yeah cross across silos and um cross across departments and it seems that it there is a lack of proper ways maybe to measure that or we don't know how to measure that is that something that you've also experienced definitely and i think it resonated with a lot of people in our session as well i mean who owns the the holistic measurement right um of course, there's also business analysts who are kind of touching with and product managers that are dealing with the same th uh, thing. Um, but I think, again, what kind of separates us from, from those professions is that we uh, cross all the domains, right? So we tackle customer support as well as product, as well as marketing, and need to somehow connect that whole journey together and, and measure that. Um, like yeah. I said, this kind of step in between the, the super high level ones and the detailed ones. And um, we there are, like maybe somebody who's listening right now would say, yeah, but we do have things like NPS or we do have CSAT. We, there, there are some some metrics out there. Um, what do you feel? Are, are, are they good enough or do we still have some challenges with those? I definitely think they're one part of the equation. Uh, I think it's the 
if I look around, it's probably the, the metric that most companies grab for the first thing, right? MPS or CSET, um, which I definitely think they have a, a place. Um, but they are both kind of um, lagging indicators, right? Especially MPS. And we're really looking for leading indicators, some, some kind of indicators that, that are uh, direct, that give direct feedback, immediate feedback, um, that you can see a, a result either positive or negative in the, so, in the whole okay. experience. Okay, let, let's dive into that a little bit deeper. Uh, leading and lagging indicators. Uh, could you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, so I think um, a good one is performed yearly revenue, which is the, the lagging indicators are something that is measured at the end. It's some, some outcome of something, right? Which usually have a, a way bigger delay. Um, whereas leading indicators are kind of concrete metrics that have uh, immediate feedback that kind of show a correlation to to something like an outcome to a to a specific lagging indicator. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be in service design per se. But what what is a typical leading indicator from your perspective? I mean, I think from our perspective. If we're if we're covering the topic MPS, it's something we're also using within Kiwi. I, I use it within in different companies as well, where we we dug into the the comments of the MPS. Right, there's a, always a form there because uh, MPS is just a rating, you know, one to ten. How much would you recommend this to a friend? But there, it can be anything, right? That that affected your experience. Also, a lot of outside influences. So we try to distill a leading metric that is a bit more short term. Uh, by kind of digging through the feedback uh, of which for us, uh, you know, in the travel industry would be checking or getting your boarding documents. Uh, and if that experience goes wrong or right, that heavily affects this lagging indicator, like an MPS that goes up and down. With these things, I'm uh, always curious to um, which, um, which metrics could help us make the uh, right decisions. So if I if I flip it around, like um, mm -hmm. like which decisions are now harder to make because we don't have the metrics in place that we would like to have. So I think that's also what what we discussed. There's the the ad hoc measurements versus kind of structural use of measurements. So if you talk about what decisions can we make, there's you know do we want to introduce new services? I think for here it's it's more about our current service, is it working as we want? Does it have the effect we want to have? And if we introduce something new, how will it kind of create this ripple effect and, and affect our, our end customer? And end? this, yeah, this, uh, this is a, like, I feel a very deep desire in our field that we want to, for the lack of a better word, justify the value that we bring to a company. And then mm -hmm. we sort of want to show that there is a before and after that the thing that we yeah. did contributed to an improvement and figuring out like understanding what the things are that we're trying to improve those are the uh, those are the measurements those are the metrics that we're looking for definitely i think it's some, some kind of control right but, but like you said i think the um, kind of what we want to uh result when when we're doing design is is some kind of behavior change right and and you want some kind of control on how to how to measure that like a before and after like you said yeah yeah you want to yeah again justify or prove that the thing you're doing that your work isn't yeah. just uh playful that it's actually contributing mm -hmm. to something and the real hard part is that 
when you put it onto a big pile and you uh, cram it into MPS, it's really hard to distill that it was your action that contributed to, mm-hmm. yeah, to lowering or raising the the MPS score or revenue or or cost. And uh, we're looking for something that is more granular and tied to our actual activities. Definitely, definitely, some some more immediate feedback because then everyone can jump up and say it was me, right, or my team. And, or you did the yeah. bad thing, yeah. And if that, uh, and this is definitely something that that isn't new. That I don't, I think we've been talking about for the last fifteen years in this industry. If if the desire is is there, what's keeping us back from having? Where where are these metrics? Why don't we have them in place already? Um, I think the thing I saw with with multiple companies is also that especially when you're looking at a, at a holistic level, right? And you're comparing all these different teams together and you want to have uh, metrics that are focused on the customer experience that cross all these domains. Each team generally has their own way of, of collecting data, uh, which all have a different format, right? So it's very hard to kind of first clean or structure the data so you can make sense of it. Uh, that's one common issue we also discussed uh, with, with multiple people from, from different companies. Um, and I think in general, it's also hard to dig deeper, right? If you have such a high level metric as retention or or MPS, you know, you want to ask more questions and and dig in deep. And I think some people also don't either have to buy in or do the work to kind of do the research of seeing what's the why behind the numbers. Yeah. And, and uh, one other thing, uh, I'd like to add to this is I think we also in the circle came sort of, uh, to the conclusion that it has a lot to do with ownership. Um, mm-hmm. Who owns, quote unquote, the the success of a service, which is like you said, spans across multiple departments, is holistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really easy to identify the the owners of the the KPIs on the individual touch points, but who who owns the service, right? That's I think one of the other yeah. challenges we see. Definitely. I also don't think we answered that question. <laughs> there were so many different answers. Um, I think that's a, a conversation you need to have with within your company, right? I think it's also different if you're talking about a like almost enterprise level or just a small startup, where it might be a bit easier to control. Um, but I think as for now, it's usually the service designers who who take up that role because there's no dedicated person yet. Although I know some companies that have journey managers. Yeah, 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 and uh, maybe we can get into your example because this is a process mm-hmm. you also went through, right? You you looked mm-hmm. uh, within Kiwi at the entire journey and tried to distill metrics that are applicable to the uh, to the. Can you can you walk us through that process? How did you approach that? Sure. So I think the first step was to to map the journey itself. Um, right, so we already had some some assumptions based uh, maps, but now we really want to base it on research. So we had the the groundwork, the rough steps, uh, but then we basically collected data from different sources. So this was qualitative interviews. This was from uh, the surveys that we sent because we have a whole customer experience team that are that are focusing on getting feedback from our customers, uh, customer support data about what are the top issues people complain about. Um, and then, um, of course, the the funnels of the the product analytics, right? So, and we basically compared those data sources and we plotted um, 
those sources on the steps of the customer journey. And basically by reviewing the data, we got this sort of heat map of where the, the positive and the negative points were. And this was something we did, you know, I organized workshops with every single domain, which were cross-functional in this case. So I pulled people from marketing, from customer support, from product, uh, and said, okay, look, this is the research that we have. This is what came out. Um, what does that mean for us? So, and based on that research, we discussed what the implications were. And we basically defined the customer KPI mm -hmm. coming from this, right? So I mentioned the, the boarding pass example. We saw, okay, well, there's a lot of comments in both our surveys as well as in, um, you know, the contact data that people who have a poor experience here uh, complain about it, but also the people who have a good experience here specifically mention that within our MPS because mm -hmm. we have a keyword analysis that's uh, that's automated, so that's uh, definitely useful. And we compared all those kind of uh, customer KPIs or those those choke points with the metrics that were already set with the team and compared, is there something we're also not measuring yet, uh, which was the case. So that was kind of a new metric we proposed to introduce. And uh, yeah, can, can you share that or is it private uh, information? Wh which I'm curious, which new metric sort of emerged? Um, what we're talking about, this was in the, this after you buy the tickets, right? We have uh, quite a good, good metrics there. Um, and this was about uh, the terminal and gate information, people looking for information once they are actually on the way. And I think that ties into something we discussed as well during the session, that there are some parts of the customer journey that are kind of black boxes or outside of your domain as a, as a company, right? Um, that you're dealing either with partners or with um, uh, third parties or other platforms that you don't have the control over. And you maybe cannot see all the data or it's immeasurable because it's a, a, a physical thing. Mm -hmm. Like for us, when people are navigating at the airport, it's, we cannot stalk them, you know, with a video on their head. So we have to find some kind of, uh, uh, yeah, substitute for that. What's, uh, what's interesting for me about the thing that you shared is you sort of first did a, like a, a desk research where you look in what data do we actually have? Uh, and plot that on a journey. And then mm -hmm. you sort of see the data sources that are already available and then, um, get people together in a room and, and see what is it that is maybe one level higher, uh, right? Uh, as in, as a metrics, is there mm -hmm. an overarching metric that might be interesting for everybody? And I think, um, this conversation, like what I'm seeing is, uh, if department a has a metric around, I don't know, speed, uh, and they do like the typical example is the call center. Like, if they are measured on, on speed uh, and uh, the call duration, they will try to get you off the phone as quickly as possible. But that yeah. can lead to problems further down the line for the teammate that is uh, next door. And I think seeing that, how your work affects the other people in the, in the journey, your other colleagues in the journey, um, helps to align incentives and maybe even yes. put those incentives in place if they aren't there already. No, no, definitely. Because I think every team is already, you know, they, they understand their part, their domain, and they are measuring that already, right? So that's nothing new. You're just pulling it up and showing them like, yeah, yeah, we know. But like you said, it is interesting once you kind of put them together, all of these, and you can see the, the relationship between them, which I think is the power that, that we can... 
uh, show, right? And there are some interesting discussions that are happening that sometimes are maybe not the nicest to have. I think we also talked about that this friction is actually good. You know, these conversations need to be had. Um, and that's something I'm now also trying with with our business analyst, uh, which, which I have a partnership with, with this project where we're uh, building a live dashboard. So this is kind of like our, our second step. So we had a, a snapshot. And now the second step will be to to take these metrics and feed it with with a live data stream. Um, so you can actually actively see this relationship between, you know, if product does X, then there's a, a reaction in, in customer support, right? Or even beginning of the, the journey versus end of the journey. Yeah. That, that that dashboard is super interesting because I thought that that would be a very interesting uh, mental exercise uh, to do, and uh, maybe also ask the the people responsible for the, the things on the touchpoint level as if we would create a dashboard that shows how well this service, our service, is performing. What would be the things that we would want to see on this dashboard, like? What does success mm -hmm. look like? What are some indicators? And the fact that um, you might not have the actual data yet, that's like problem number two. How do you measure it? How yeah. do you get it? But but first have the conversation about, okay, so how do we know if we're actually doing a good job on as a team, as a as a company, uh, right? Rather than as a as an individual contributor. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because I mean, in your day to day, you're not talking with those people as much, right? So I think it's good to have something at that level that that shows it. Um, although that is, you know, it's now we we say it very easily, but it's a huge uh, undertaking, and that's something uh, we also covered it. Especially just getting the data or cleaning the data um, is is a lot of work, uh, but it's necessary. Yeah, so uh, it is a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. And it's, uh, again, I, I I find it so interesting because uh, we started out this conversation by saying that uh, metrics can help us to show the value of our work and see if we're actually making a contribution, which is a fair mm -hmm. question. But now we're getting into a conversation where the conclusion is we sort of first have to build the metrics <laughs> that we that yeah. we need and then uh then we can sort of start measuring the improvement and seeing if we are actually contributing so it seems that the first job of a service designer potentially could be to sort of figure out what it is that we need to measure and try to put it in place and then you'll be able hopefully to uh qualify quantify uh your work yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the first thing you want to do is take inventory of what are we dealing with right now, right? And where, where are the gaps? Um, so that's like a practical example is after we did all these workshops and we have these, uh, for example, the metrics that we are not measuring yet. So I just mocked up in, 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 uh, in Figma some sketch of what the dashboard could look like once it's really there and also show, okay, these are the ones that we're currently missing. This is what we do have. This is what we don't have. Um, and presented that to kind of the, the key stakeholders that are actually have decision power, who were very happy and kind of gave the buy-in for this analyst, which I'm working with now. Um, I think that's also a key thing that you want something that is actionable, right? You cannot just have metrics for the sake of metrics. It needs to inform decision-making. Sure. So two questions about this. Uh, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, key stakeholders, which I think is, again, something that we quite easily, we say that easily, but in uh, reality, it's really hard. Who did you find to be the key stakeholders who were interested in hearing your story about another dashboard? I think 
describing the project, there was not much interest. Um, we kind of did it under the radar, to be honest. Uh, me and my manager were, were discussing it um, within our UX team. And then we just presented this kind of first version of the this kind of mock-up I, I shared, like, hey, this is where we want to go based on the research that we already did. And then it clicked for them. For who? And who specifically? Who did we talk yeah. to? Yeah, so uh, it was um, the head of consumer product in our case. So kind of someone from product. We talked with, we have a customer experience department. Uh, so we talked with uh, the lead there and kind of showed this and, and what we aim to do with it. And it aligned very much with their own interests. So they were super happy to to um, push it. They even said, okay, let's put it on the OKRs. Let's, let's uh, take this uh, further. And somewhere from customer support uh, there. And before with the workshops, I was already talking with the leads of the specific domains, uh, which were more product-based. Mm -hmm. In those mm -hmm. conversations, and uh, I try to get as specific as uh, as possible in these conversations, mm -hmm. is like when you were having and presenting this story about this dashboard and, and sharing this idea of maybe service-oriented and customer-oriented uh, KPIs and metrics, were there any specific leverage points or moments that you felt, okay, you, you mentioned it clicked for them? Like anything you said or anything you showed where you felt, okay, yeah, now now, now the story has landed. Yeah, it's, it's always tricky to know what, what exactly, because I think it's multiple different things, but also my manager really helped with kind of already advocating the need for something like this, like for, for the past year. So I think that was kind of the setup that, that helped a lot as well. Um, but in terms of the concrete discussions with the stakeholders, I think visualizing the outcome of saying, hey, this is where we want to be, which they were super happy with. And then I also showed them where we are currently. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay, we, we have some work to do. And then they were willing, because they already saw the outcome and they kind of approved the outcome, they were willing to give the resources. Uh, they, so I think visualizing the outcome, but also showing uh, the gap with, with current situation. And when you mentioned visualizing the outcome in this specific case, like it was literally a, yeah. a, tangible, a tangible dashboard, right? The dashboard was yes. the was the metaphor, as we often also see the the power of uh, a journey map. The fact that you just visualize yes. it, it's um, it's not the outcome; it's it's just a deliverable. But it's super powerful to get people excited and see where this is heading. So, uh, if you use that, that would be a really good exercise for anybody who's listening right now. Visualize your service dashboard, your customer experience dashboard. Like, what would be the one, two, or three things that you would put in there that would be a good indicator of if you're heading in the right direction and what would help you to make better decisions? Because I think that's eventually yes. what, what we're trying to address here is you mentioned you don't make a dashboard just for the dashboard or collect metrics just for the metrics. You're doing mm -hmm. this to make better informed decisions. Yeah. I mean, there was also, if you're talking about actionability of the metrics, we are now focusing with this dashboard on the ability to filter so we can segment and uh, and really see, okay, people with a different type of behavior or a different type of, of ticket, do they behave differently? Do, do the metrics change based on what kind of uh, filter we have, right? And I think that's also very powerful because that's also where the product teams or at least within Kiwi, kind of the the engine of, of building all these new things where they get concrete information and they they can kind of dig a bit deeper than just seeing some numbers uh, there. 
it allows them to play with it. So it's not just a static element. You are in a sort of lucky position where uh, a lot of the service happens via digital channels, which allows yes. more interaction. Uh, how do you feel that this would apply to like maybe organizations that are less digital, digitally focused and have more physical services? I mean, um, an example when I was working, uh, or one of the clients in the agency I was working was, uh, was Axenobel, so the big painting, painting company. Uh, paint is, is super physical, right? You, you put it on your wall, you can really, we tried to do something with AR, but it's, it's not the same as the real thing. Um, and that's where we, again, also just mapped the journey by physically going to the stores, talking to the people, seeing what does that look like? Cause there's always something you can tech, right? It's either an interaction with a store clerk. It can be, uh, there's also things you can do with geofencing if there, if there's a mobile app involved. Um, or there are kind of proactive uh, communications, which we also talked about, where we can, uh, if we know more or less around this time, people will go somewhere, we can send them like, hey, there's a mechanic coming up. What are your expectations of this, you know, or afterwards? Mm -hmm. So you can kind of, there are black boxes with this physical thing, I think, but you can try to measure the before and after at least the to have a start. Yeah. The, the thing with these physical, with the more physical oriented services is that uh, data collection is harder uh, and mm -hmm, therefore definitely. often more expensive. And what you see is that the things that often get measured are the things that are easy to measure. Not because they are the right things to measure, but because it's like maybe already a byproduct or it's cheap or let's measure it anyway. And um, people are reluctant to put in the investment to measure the things that matter. And especially with more physical services, uh, where the, maybe the upfront costs are even higher. So you, it's like a chicken egg. You have to justify that you need the investment to find, to have these metrics, to have this data, to drive your decision making yeah. before you have it, right? Definitely. It's, uh, like I said, it's the luxury, I think. Well, we also discussed, and that's where I think the power of qualitative research can come in, right? So qualitative research can show you what things you might, should be measuring. And that's also where if you, where the storytelling part comes in, right? So if you can present to these key stakeholders that, that have the power over resources, you can show them like, look, we did interviews with people in these stores and how their experience is. And we noticed that, I don't know, queue time uh for waiting to to purchase is very important and if you can confirm that with you know we interviewed 10 people they all said the same thing you know then, then they might be convinced okay we probably should invest a bit more in it mm -hmm. yeah and you uh, throughout the conversation here you mentioned already a few examples but uh the things that we are looking to uh measure are are sort of uh chunks within the journey are sometimes mm -hmm. the entire experience of the journey, but that's super hard. Um, and uh, it's like almost the chapters in the journey or the, the stages or like, the, and uh, you mm -hmm. now you mentioned queue time, that's maybe like a single moment, but the, there are other um, parts of a, of a journey that are sort of more, uh, that have multiple touch points, uh, multiple touch point owners, but together make up uh, uh, 
yeah, part of the journey. So I'm thinking out loud here, maybe it's like the, well, the checkout experience in a store. Like the, mm -hmm. it's not just the clerk, it's it's the queue, it's the, there are multiple things involved there. Um, and maybe you want to measure how people experience the, the checkout experience, the checkout part of the service, right? Yeah. Right on that kind of level, you can definitely measure stuff and involve, like maybe there are four departments involved in yeah. the checkout process and you need to get them them aligned that they all contribute to the checkout experience so this is a long story but i think i'm what i'm trying to find is okay so at which level are we measuring what are the 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 metrics that we're trying to to grasp mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely these these chunks of the experience you can measure i think that's also a good way we were talking about key stakeholders and convincing them to to get uh help to to clean the data with uh and set up these dashboards i think doing some smaller part of the journey like this like you mentioned for example the checkout experience and using that as kind of a pilot uh to show the power of having such metrics in place um i think that's a great way to kind of push for okay now we did it for the checkout experience but uh, our other research showed there's way more uh parts like this so and then they uh, we'll, we'll hopefully say yes. Yeah, and uh, and uh, it makes a lot of sense that you are collaborating with a business uh, analyst because mm -hmm. they hopefully are the people who can help you connect something abstract as a checkout experience to metrics, the higher level metrics that are sort of already established and valued like revenue, uh, income, uh, speed of delivery. Uh, and that's the thing we're looking for. Like, sure, checkout yeah. experience, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we can make it the star checkout experience. But does that actually influence our financial metrics? Because if you're exactly. well, not, not not only if you're in a for-profit company, but even if you're in a non uh, non-profit, eventually it's it it is about money, right? And that's that is yeah. the thing uh, you want to tie it to. Yeah, if you're, I mean, if your business doesn't exist anymore because it runs out of money, you can also help people, right? It's, yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah. You always want to kind of connect it to a business outcome, right? Either revenue or or uh, saving costs, um, or some referral value. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, definitely. I think that's also something we put in a dashboard to always have these high level metrics there, uh, because that's also something the especially the higher senior people care about um to always have that connection there and to see if if there even is a connection because exactly. sometimes you build something and you find out oh there, this is actually not a cause for you know uh increase in sales so we can focus on something exactly. else but that's also something you learn yeah and exactly and i think that's also a really powerful uh story towards um uh internal stakeholders is how do we even know that we should invest our budget our resources into improving onboarding like, does it really matter or, mm -hmm. or is there a different part in the journey that is more important to optimize, to improve, to figure out, uh, if we can do something better there. That's like some, some, some way you need to prioritize. And the question is, how are we prioritizing right now? And is there a better way, uh, or is there something that can help us prioritize our resources? Definitely. I mean, if there's one thing business likes it's efficiency right so you're saying okay how can we be more efficient in choosing what to build next or choosing what to measure 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. and it's also it's it's for our, again for us as a community as a practice, it would be great to to be able to establish these connections, which are there. Like it's uh, it's just a matter of putting in the work, like you said, and collaborating with people who are maybe more comfortable with with numbers and with uh, yeah. with these kind of things uh, and and presenting it. I think we have a lot of skills to actually. Uh, create these dashboards, make it tangible, uh, share the story um, if we find the right partners around us. Um, I want to ask another question about your uh, your journey. Um, if you could start over uh, and, uh, or maybe you would move to a different, uh, to a different company and they would ask you the mm-hmm. same question, like we want to uh, establish new metrics that help us better to prioritize where we need to invest in in order to improve our customer experience. That would be basically your brief. Um, mm-hmm. Which lessons would you take uh, from your current experience to to that new brief? I think I would start even earlier with mentioning if if I want me to do this, I need an uh, an analyst to to help. I think it. I ran into so much data issues, or we ran into so much data issues, and uh, especially when you're dealing with different teams that are unstructured. So that's definitely one thing. But also since the nature of dealing with so many teams is slow, just because the amount of people you need to communicate with, I would scope it down even more. I, we already focused on, like I said, just some small part as a checkout experience, but I would maybe go even smaller and uh, get that dashboard up and running faster. Uh, Cause there was a big kind of black box also for these key stakeholders about what I was actually doing and uh, where's the progress and cause they want to see results. Right. So I'd probably chunk it as small as possible, uh, first. Yeah. You mentioned already a smaller part of the experience. The, um, yeah. uh, I think there's a interesting balance there where if you make it too small, it becomes a touch point yeah. level metric and you, it sort of mm-hmm. needs to be big enough that it spans across multiple touch points, uh, hopefully multiple channels, because then yeah. it's it starts to resemble something that looks like part of a service. Definitely, because I, I think a good example, like you said, is something that covers multiple touch points, for example, email communication, a desktop experience, as well as an app experience, um, where you can then also filter and show the difference. If people, you know, uh, if we're talking about filtering a dashboard, you can see the, the difference in, in experience of these metrics based on, you know, which channel they, they go through. Hmm. Um, and I think then that, that those are the things that start clicking for people, and they said, "Yes, we want more." We had a lot of different perspectives in uh, inside the circle, which is always great, refreshing, uh, many different uh, backgrounds. I'm curious, did you um, did that discussion in our group raise new questions for you? Things you started thinking about? I think for me, I started thinking more about these black boxes of of the customer journey, right? That are, uh, like you said, either with physical experiences or when you're dealing with partners that are maybe not as uh, uh, transparent uh, as as you would like, how to deal with those tricky situations and also uh, with uh, the parts that are non-linear, right? Because linear things are just easier to measure like a, a checkout experience. It's basically you go from the beginning till the end. But there's, for example, if you're dealing with people needing additional information for a specific task, they you know visit 600 different touch points. Uh, maybe some are actionable, some are not. Um, 
which is a, a whole a lot more complexity and harder to define. Okay, what are the, the key indicators here for a, for a good experience? Yeah, didn't reach an answer yet, but yeah, uh, I think it's with, part of the fun. Yeah, and with some of these things, um, I think it will remain a black box for a very long time. Sometimes uh, there are like we're we're trying to to make it into a science and and say if A happens, then B happens, right? If we mm-hmm. pull this lever, then you know, something over there happens. Uh, and like like you said, there are a lot of situations within services where so many things happen. So the weather can have an influence on how people experience yeah. your service. And um, the illusion of control uh, can sometimes be very, um, can trap us. Um, so I, I don't have an answer here yet. Maybe that's an open question to anyone who's listening. Like, at, what is enough? How, when do we When do we have enough data to actually start making decisions and say, okay, this is just the direction we need to be heading in, even though we don't exactly know if there is a causal relationship between these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you have to be comfortable with uncertainty, right? And these are maybe like some f- illusion of control, all these metrics. Uh, I think one example, we we try to analyze all the metrics, the, let's say the outcome of these metrics that we have or the data that comes back and compare it with uh, with qualitative research, if it matches uh, or if we can somehow explain it. And then we couldn't, and it turned out to be a data issue because it was, you know, there, there were just some some ones and zeros going wrong. So that, that also already gets you off track, right? So you also shouldn't be too comfortable relying only on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's we can make another episode around that, like the uh, the yeah. illusion of control and uh, getting getting stuck in data. But then again, uh, I think it's good to have both conversations, like uh, creating awareness, what we could measure, how we could measure, why we should measure, and and then also at the same time uh, look at it from a nuanced perspective that uh, measuring isn't everything. <laughs> So uh, finding a balance there, that uh, a healthy balance. Um, yeah. Final final question in uh, in this episode, uh, Tim. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from the conversation we had in the community? I uh, was glad to hear that everyone struggling with more or less the same issues. Also, this this data cleaning, but also that it is a continuous work. Uh, you're not done after the first time. You need to keep researching. See if the metrics that are correct. Maybe there are, you know, once you fix one part, it it pops up somewhere else. There's a new metric that you should continue on. So, um, I think that for me, like continuously using the research to inform your your metrics. One thing I want to say about this is maybe it also has to do a lot with a mindset and the mindset of that this is actually part of what it means to be a service design professional thinking about what it is that you'll measure, how you'll measure it. And I don't think um, it's it's very obvious. Uh, you don't read a lot about it in in the textbooks. You don't see it a lot in Medium articles, mm-hmm. but it is, it is part of our work, or at least I feel it should be, should be more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, we also discussed, I think a lot of people put KPIs in their, their blueprints or in their journey maps, right? Which I think is a great, great start. Um, that kind of shows the impact they have on on the rest. I think if you start thinking about service design as an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary practice, 
And it makes a lot of sense to have somebody who is part of the team that is interested in numbers and is interested in, in quantifying stuff. So even if Definitely. you're not that person, uh, don't see yourself as the service designer, which you described. You described yourself as the service designer or one of the two service designers at Kiwi. Yeah. But thinking about service design as a team practice, as a team sport, then it makes a lot of sense that there are different disciplines involved in, and they should be, it, it can be otherwise, uh, designing a service. No, definitely. I think that uh, this was also for me the first time I worked this much with a business analyst and it, it was uh, super fun to work there and see how they enjoy uh, diving into the data <laughs> and, and find some correlations. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool. Thanks so much uh, for sharing your story, uh, Tim. It was super interesting. This is definitely a topic that's going to come back uh, more often here on the show and maybe even in the circle. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again for coming on and uh, sharing. Yeah, thank you. If you've made it this far, I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Tim and got some useful tips out of it. To wrap this up, I quickly want to remind you that if you want to get all the ins and outs of the things we discuss in these sessions, and not just a summary on this podcast, consider joining us in the circle. You'll meet other passionate professionals who also want to learn and grow just like you. There is an application process to become a member of this community. So if you'd like to know if you qualify, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle for all the details. And you'll also find this link in the show notes of this episode. My name is Mark Fontaine, and I want to thank you for being part of this community. Keep making a positive impact and I'll catch you very soon in a brand new episode of The Service Design Show. See you then.